Hello and welcome to History Happened Everywhere. The Verdict. This is our after-show podcast where we look back at our previous episode, East Timor. So, if you haven't listened to that, go back, have a listen, or else there will be spoilers ahead. Helicopter. Does it sound like a helicopter to you, Paul? No, it sounds like you're spitting. Oh, it's like a couscous. What about now? Is that a helicopter? No. Where do you get your <laughs> notion of a helicopter from? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Did that again? <laughs> I can't now because I'm laughing. No, go on. No, that was worse that no, time. That was worse, yeah. Paul, can you do a helicopter? No. <laughs> <laughs> can we get on now, please? Yeah, All right. Fair enough. Hello and welcome to History Happened Everywhere, The Verdict. My name is Ryan Weir and I'm in the studio here with uh, the lovely Peter Goddard. Hello. And on the phone with us, we have Mr. Paul Dursley. Long time no here. Yes, it's been a while, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah, and the new schedule is uh, just a bit, uh, gives us a bit more time to do things and prepare, so hopefully mm-hmm. it will be reflected in the quality of the episode. Absolutely. I, yes, I had withdrawal symptoms last Thursday. Did you? Well, that's positive. Or is, or is this drugs? Are you talking <laughs> about your drug problem again? <laughs> Back to rehab for Paul Dursley. <laughs> <laughs> so... Paul, I don't want to just do the usual, how are you, how's your week been, blah, 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 nonsense. So I went to the internet and I looked to get some conversation starters. So I have some and I was wondering whether or not we could just try some of them out. Okay. So uh, let's start with some of the uh, easy ones. So um, if you had a chance to eat dessert for breakfast every day, what dessert would you choose? Uh, What's the point of this question? So I get to know you a bit more. <laughs> but people out there want to know who Paul Dursley is. They're they're super interested well, in I have our a verdict, for, I judge and have jury. A dessert for breakfast, thank you. Okay, but you can have one. But I don't want one. Which zoo animal is your favourite? Uh, I, ooh, uh, I. Which animal do I like at the zoo? I quite like the gorillas. Why? Okay, I I quite like the monitor lizards. Sorry, I wasn't telling you to change your answer. I was just curious why you picked gorillas. Well, I couldn't answer that, so that's why I changed it to monitor lizard. Okay. I remember when we went to Rotterdam Zoo, and they had a gorilla, and he was a magnificent fellow, and he'd look out and strut around being a gorilla. Mm. I googled said gorilla, Mm. uh, and it turned out that he had a woman who would come and visit him, and she thought she had a special connection to him, and she kept looking him in the eye and gesturing to him and stuff. And the gorilla broke out of his enclosure, grabbed her by the leg, and dragged her around the zoo for a while, uh, until such time as he was uh, incapacitated and sent back. And that's what happens if you mess with gorillas. Before we begin, I should do a quick little summary of the last episode, right? Yes, the last episode was East Timor, 600 BC to 476 AD, which was the classical period, and the topic was order. So, one minute summary, here we go. East Timor is one half of the Southeast Asian island of 
Timor. Uh, it's found at the bottom of the Indonesian archipelago, uh, just 300 miles from the coast of Australia. It was once part of a huge swathe of land that is now 120 meters below sea level. Um, 42,000 years ago, the first people arrived, followed by two more groups of people around 3000 BC. Their descendants left rock art, which shares striking similarities with the art which was engraved on two bronze drums, which were found buried on the island. And these drums had arrived on the island through a newly developed network of maritime trading routes which sprang up during 600 BC to 400 AD and these drums were likely exchanged on that network for sandalwood which was plentiful on the island uh, and it is a tree which is highly praised even today for its beautiful aromatic wood. Um, images of headhunters are shown on the sides of the bronze drums and these likely refer to the 60 small kingdoms on the island who engaged in hunting each other and removing each other's heads. Um, as a means to sort of coordinating their societal hierarchy and, some might say, order. That was last week's episode done. Summarised nicely, nice one, son. Now we're over to a young Dursley who's going to tell you what he thought of me. He'll take you apart without any care. He's the lovely Paul Dursley. The lovely Paul Dursley. Anyway, so there we go. So that is uh, the one-minute summary. I think that came in under a minute, actually. So I want an extra point, Paul. I feel like I might lose a lot. <laughs> are we play- okay, we're negotiating for points, are we? Already. Yeah, I'm starting straight away. I'm just getting in <laughs> okay, early. Okay, <laughs> well, I could tell you for a fact, if that annoying jingle is in, you will go down a grade. Which jingle were you talking about, by the way? The judge one. <laughs> <laughs> judge, judge, judge. Yes. He's the judge, 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 judging all of the things he does. Look, I was, I was, I was thinking about this. That jingle was done by the same people who yeah. did a rather good Simpsons takeoff sketch. Oh, Ooh. there's a compliment. You enjoyed that, did you? I'm, assu- I'm assuming that Pete wrote the Simpsons sketch and you wrote the jingle. <laughs> Is that it's right? a team effort. I'm, I have to tell you. So let's ask you some questions, Paul. Question time, question time, question time for Paul Dursley. What did you think? First question. Have you ever been to East Timor, Paul? No, I haven't. All right. Have you been near it? Uh, Kuala Lumpur is the closest I've been. Still quite a way. It's in the next door country, but it's still quite a way away. Any wishes to go? Uh, I I think I'd I'd sort of like to go go and have a look at most places. Uh, Mm. I think, to be brutally honest, it wouldn't be in the top ten. Yeah, I I think we were in agreement, weren't we? It's not in our top list of places to go and see. But I think that we were influenced by the headhunting piece rather than anything else. Yeah, I found that really difficult to shake. Just those images of that frenzied ritual with severed heads. I, I found it difficult to picture in a tourist brochure. Yes, I found the placenta thing quite disturbing. What, Pete's love for placenta? <laughs> or the fact that they buried them under the door? Well, they, they buried them under the door, yeah. That's, yeah. It's very, that's very odd. It is. I think it's a wordplay. I think they did it because it's the place where you enter. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's actually good. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that's so silly. Hey, they just forecast it. They knew it was coming. That's, the genius. It's the place where you enter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to tickle me for a while. <laughs> that's so stupid. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, most yeah. mammals eat their placenta, don't they, after it's been expelled? Yeah, nice little snacky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has, it has been known. It was on telly once, I seem to recall. Channel 4 being Channel 4. What, they did like a cook-up how to... Uh, Gordon Ramsay ate her thing. placenta on telly. Okay. I, I, uh, this isn't gone off track again. <laughs> this, I, can't, I can't feel like this is helping us want to go to East Timor more. I feel bad about it because I, I, I see pictures of East Timor and it looks beautiful in that way that many of the Southeast Asian islands do. You know, beautiful sands and blue sky and blue sea. And I mean, it just looks gorgeous. But then, yeah, like the history of it is there's a lot of turmoil there. It's um, the headhunting thing. does. Well, I, I, found, I found the headhunting thing interesting. That certainly didn't put me off. I think it's more it would be more of the sort of the relatively modern history of it. Whereas, you know, it's what, less than 500 miles away from Bali? Uh, yeah. I and you so. sort of see Bali is a big tourist destination. Would you go to Dili and East Timor? When you could be in Bali. When you could be in yeah. Bali, whereas... Oh, personally, I'd probably go to the. I'd like to go to the road less travelled. You probably find places that are much better. Okay, so uh, what did you learn from the episode? What didn't you know? Um, I learned that you didn't know what an enclave is. What? Oh, really? So, okay, so what, what, what Paul's talking about, I think, is that East Timor has that small little section of West Timor, which I think is called the Akuzi Municipality, mm-hmm. uh, which is part of East Timor, even though it's not on the east side of the island. Yes. So, so uh, what is an enclave then? An enclave is a piece of territory that's totally surrounded by another country. Oh, and because it touches the sea, it doesn't count as an enclave? Correct. Well, it's, it's a, well, all enclaves are exclaves, but not all exclaves are enclaves. All right, you had me, and now I'm lost. And what's a clave? <laughs> That's a good point. It's a good question. <laughs> what is a clave? Well, I, I don't know, but I assume it's from cleave to cut off. Can we ask the internet? Well, you could. Internet, help us out. Hello. This is the voice of the internet. Paul Dursley is correct. The word clave is the archaic past tense of the word cleave, meaning to split or divide something into two separate parts, often violently. Well done, Paul. All right. That's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's okay. So that's what you you found out. Of all of the things that I told you about, the thing that stood out for you as being something new to you was the fact I didn't know what an enclave was. You didn't know the difference between an enclave, a semi-enclave and an exclave, yes. You fool. So many types of claves. I mean, know your claves, people. <laughs> okay, anything else? Any of the more fact-related stuff that stood out to you? But that it was a fact. <laughs> um, so, uh, what about donks and drums? No, well, I thought those drums were Korean, because that's where you mainly see them now, isn't it? I, I can remember... The Olympics in Seoul, you know, the opening ceremony had loads of those huge round drums that they were playing. And there are drums Mm. of that sort in Japan as well, aren't there? Yeah. I didn't realise that they were sort of like a trade item that went around the whole of Southeast Asia, though. It seems like that. Yeah, there's there's been loads of them found um, all the all the way across. Yeah, f- over four thousand kilometers. These things were found. So I was curious as to were they any good as drums? Because they're made of bronze, right? Yes, yeah, it's just like a big gong. 
Gongs are bronze. Yeah, I suppose. I just don't. You don't normally think of brass? drums as had the tympanum of the drum, as you rightly pointed out. Being, yeah. you know, normally it's leather or skin or wood. I don't really think. Well, of the, metal sa- the as a sound drum. of a uh, of a drum mostly comes from the air inside, held inside the drum. Surely it comes from the metal. You're hitting the metal, aren't you? Well, it's the it's well, no, you hit the membrane at the yeah. top. Then that compresses the air inside, that then goes to the edges and makes the edges resonate. Oh, I see. I thought it was just the vibration of the the bit on top. Because yeah, because if if you were to obviously hit the side of a drum, that's no different to a very large triangle. So what you're doing is you're sort of doing it at a distance. You're using the membrane to agitate the air molecules held within the drum, mm-hmm. which then gives a resonance to, to to the drum. It's like those big kettle drums you see on the horses. On the horses? Well, yeah, there's a, there's Military parade sort of a, and a ceremonial division of the army, isn't there? And you, they have these huge gray, uh, shire horses that have drums on them. Okay. And sort of the the chap on the back sits on the drums, steering the horse with his feet. Telemios. 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 <laughs> the uh, the yes, unknown I, Greek. It, one, the unknown known Greek. I sat there thinking for about thirty seconds about who on earth are you talking about, and then I realised, oh, it's Ptolemaeus you're talking about. Oh, uh, we didn't say the name right. No, we didn't. Ptolemaeus. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. P T O L O. Telemios. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought this was an interesting thing, Paul, because um, this guy d- basically created this repository of knowledge, all these maps and stuff, and it just gets bunged in a drawer. And then for a thousand years, we just forgot that we knew this stuff, basically. And you always think of knowledge as a sort of a gradually accumulating forward progression. But you can take a massive step back and not even realise. I wonder what else we've lost that we don't that we knew and now don't. Well, there are loads of things, aren't there? Because, you know, the Library of Alexandria, which was uh, the sh- largest library in, in antiquity, burnt down. And possibly this may be how some of the maps were lost. I don't know. But a lot of the written down knowledge of the world, including all of the stuff that came in through the Arab world, was written down and quite often translated there, put in the library. And then the library burnt down. And an enormous amount of knowledge was lost and had to be relearnt or rediscovered. Do you think we've discovered it all by now, though? Well, I wonder if there's some history stuff we'll never recover. Um, yes. So, in 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 terms of science, of course, we've we've recovered it all and have gone far. But when you're talking about his his history and historical sources, yes, that that that's countless invaluable records have been lost. Yeah, but who cares about history? It's boring. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it happens everywhere. (laughs) And that's why you are not in our marketing department. (laughs) Um, Paul, uh, Ptolemios. Ptolemaeus. He didn't write... say Ptolemaeus, otherwise he's not going to respond. All right, Ptolemaeus. What was his name? Ptolemaeus. I just call him Ptolemy. Ptolemaeus. Ptolemaeus. Can we just call him Ptolemaeus, please? Well, I don't know who that is. I just want to ask a question. All right, what was it again? Ptolemaeus. Ptolemaeus. Maeus or Maeus? That doesn't matter. Ptolemaeus, I would say. 
Oh, that doesn't matter. All of a sudden. <laughs> yes, yes, the mayest bit. By the time you've worked out the, the start of the word. I'm going to re-record this sketch. <laughs> Ptolemaeus didn't make any maps. I, just don't, I don't mean to you know, correct you, but he wrote a book about how to make a map using this information. So it contained the information to create a map. He never actually made the map. Oh. Which if you listened to the podcast, you would have found that out. Uh, and so which, which was his prime meridian? Yeah. Moving on to the next question. Well, you said he did latitude and longitude, and obviously latitude is there, just mm-hmm. there. You don't need a point of reference apart from the equator, which is obvious. But longitude, you have to yeah, define obviously. a prime meridian. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> an idiot. What an idiot. <laughs> oh... So, have you ever chewed any betel? I thought that was betel nuts. Yeah, it could be. I said betel because it's only got the one... No, I didn't realise that betel nuts... <laughs> I didn't realise that betel nuts were not nuts. They were a, there's a compound of, as you said, these three things. Yeah. What is it? Acacia? I can't remember. A lime, I think. Yeah. And a shot of rum. These things. I can't even remember my <laughs> own episode. Yeah. That's really disgusting, actually. You know... It does seem a bit odd, but it's the spitting on the floor. It's the bit that gets me. I, I love the fact that they use it as measures, though. Like one village is is three spits worth, so you would spit three times before you well, hit yeah, that village. They, they they sort of did that in in other using other objects and currencies, didn't they? Uh, cigarettes, I think, in the Andes were a unit of measurement. How many cigarettes to get from A to B? Right, I could smoke five cigarettes before I get to church or whatever. What about you, you Pete? You were going to say something there, it seems. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd misunderstood that when you told me about that. I thought it was the measurement of how far you could spit, not how far you could travel between spits. <laughs> oh, I see. So you thought it was like three metres worth. I was... thought whoever they got the sort of champion spitter in the village. And then they're right, that's a, we'll call that a Well, that, that would be a rather stop-start way of going, is that you, you, you spit, then you walk to where you spat. Then you had to spit again and then walk to where you spat. I, I, and then you'd probably have to stand there for a few minutes, uh, you know, masticating away to get Working the, up. to get the spittle up. I do see the drawbacks of this system now you point it out. <laughs> oh, you'd have such a dry mouth by the time you got anywhere. Oh, do you want to go to the next village? Oh, no, I really don't. <laughs> I'm going for a long hike and I'm carrying a lot of water to take with me. <laughs> Yeah. So, but uh, would you would you try it if like you were in East Timor and someone offered it to you? Would you would you give a would you give a chew? No, I think it, it it's like it's like shisha pipes. I I always say no to those. I would do it just so I could say, "Go on, give us a quid." Yeah, I like the fact that it's called a quid. Yeah, because it's interesting, isn't it? Because yeah, quid quid the word quid was used for a lump of chewing tobacco as well in the West. Oh. So must be something to do with the chewing. Possibly. I, I, I don't know. Then why is a pound called a quid? Well, the internet will have to tell you that. Yeah. All right. Internet, please tell us, what is a quid? A quid is a word used today to describe a bite-sized piece of something to chew on, such as tobacco. In Middle English, the word cudder describes an animal who chews on food that has been passed from their stomach to their mouth. Humans who chew on tobacco are said to resemble these animals by chewing the cud. Over time the word cud morphed into quid. 
A quid when referring to the British pound coin is generally believed to have originated from the Latin phrase quid pro quo meaning something for something. Thank you. Could you navigate 3,600 miles across the ocean with a quadrant and a compass? Uh, no, I couldn't. Certain death for Dursley. Once a week we like to kill him off, don't we? So I think this, this time we can have him adrift at sea in a 23-foot boat. And he's going to die because he can't oh, find yeah, his the way. Oh, yeah, the captain, Bly, the captain. Right, he was actually only a lieutenant, not a captain. You've said Ascension Island on the podcast, Pete. Is that true or is it Pitcairn? It's Pitcairn. Did I say Ascension? You did, yeah. In 1789, Captain Bly arrives. All oh, right. Know him? Yes, I do. Where's he from? The Bounty. Yeah. Who was he? He was the captain who was very disliked by his crew, who mutinied. Uh, kicked him off his boat, and uh, the survivors ended up in a place called Ascension Island. Well, it would have been one hell of a journey to Ascension Island, as um, <laughs> it's in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> so, can you take a point off of Pete, please? Well, 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 I have to hold it in. I have to hold it in debit. You can't carry over credits and debits. This is an outrage. <laughs> What I liked about the Bly story, because I did a little Google of it afterwards as a, oh, yeah. as a uh, out of interest, was they set him adrift, but they did leave him with a bunch of, with bread and water and uh, I can't remember something else food like, but also with several bottles of wine and a couple of bottles of rum. Nice. So you know they weren't monsters. Why does he need water when he's surrounded by the sea? Because you can't drink seawater. I mean, I've drunk seawater and it's fine. Um. Uh, well, yeah, that answers the question, doesn't it? does drive you mad, doesn't it? I've seen to recall someone telling yes, me. Yes, uh, it makes you thir- very, very thirsty because it's salty. Um, you know, water, water everywhere and all the boards did shrink. Water, water everywhere and not a drop to drink. That is the rhyme of the ancient mariner. Pete, you were also telling me that you learned some stuff about sandalwood. I did learn some sandalwood facts. So there's different types of sandalwood. There's an Indian sandalwood, there's a Pacific sandalwood, and there's an Australian sandalwood. Okay. Uh, and the Indian one is seems to be the most expensive one. Hmm? Uh, and in India, you all of the sandalwood, I don't know if this is still the case today because I just saw it in an article and I didn't check the date, hmm. but uh, the all of the sandalwood, you can plant a sandalwood tree, but you cannot chop it down. The government owns essentially the trees. So if you chop, you can't chop your own sandalwood tree down. You have to call the government. Mm. They will come. They'll pay you for it, but they okay. will chop it down and take it away yeah. uh, as it's a kind of a source of revenue for them. But then one of the problems they have is they have tree thieves. Tree thieves. Who, who will sneak in in the night, <laughs> chop your tree down and bugger off with it. Wow. <laughs> so it must be worth an absolute fortune then. Yeah, it must be. And a tree is a hard thing to steal, right? It's not a bike that's been left unlocked, is it? No, but you might take little chunks off it. You could probably just wheel up, lob off a branch. Bit by bit. (laughs) Over the course of two weeks. Yeah. Sneak it out. I'm just going going to nip out and get some sandalwood and give it a whiff. Oh, yeah, cool. That'd be good. And then you can describe it to us. Uh, Just a sec. I'm taking off my... Pants. So, to recap, he's going to his wood collection... (laughs) No, no, no. His aftershavey thing. His milk. Oh, right. His milk. His face milk. (laughs) Um, Yes, I've got my D.R. Harris and Co. Limited Sandalwood aftershave milk. This podcast is brought to you by D.R. Harris and Co. If if they write in, I'll send them my address. (laughs) 
other wood lotions are available. <laughs> so come on then, describe it to us. To get a good old nose, get your nose in there. Give us, give it a good whiff. Um, it smells a bit like camphor, but not as. That's sort of mentholy, isn't it? Not as menthol. Yes, that's right. Okay. Is it? A, would you describe it as a spicy smell? Yes. It's it's spicy, a bit almondy. Back what? notes of something. Give me imagery. This is this is imagery. great radio. Is this is great radio? Isn't yeah, it, it is. Yeah. Five silent minutes of a man sniffing his face milk. <laughs> 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 There's a YouTube channel. It's very niche, but the, the audience is very keen. Yeah. Give me some imagery. What does it remind well, you of? A, like walking along a beach on a Sunday afternoon? Is it like what, where, where are you at when you're smelling it? Where does it take transport you to? It reminds me of sitting in a place at Kew Gardens. Oh, interesting. Any reason Near why? A sandalwood tree. <laughs> yes, because there was a sandalwood tree there. <laughs> Fine, right, okay. Well, we're not going to get any sense from you. Anything else on the sandalwood facts before I don't think we move I'll on? I'll be tuning into wine tasting with Paul Dursley. <laughs> <laughs> this one tastes of wine. It smells <laughs> like wine. It reminds me of wine. Did they used to shrink the heads, by the way, the headhunters? So Peter said this to me, and the answer is no, they did not. Uh, That's in Africa, I think, they shrink the heads. South America, yes. South America, yes, that's the one. Just next door. Because I looked it up, up, and there was such a trade for shrunken heads during the 20s when you had sort of Ripley's, believe it or not, and Barnum and Bailey and all those lot that, you know, they were doing the freak show type thing. Um the the Europeans and the Americans were going into the jungles to try and find these tribes to buy more shrunken heads, that their population of these tribes declined by like 80% because they were just killing themselves to get more shrunken heads to meet the demand. Oh my God, yeah. That's amazing. I I suppose, you know, the thing is, maybe in their religious system, you know, to die is just one stage of life. You know, you're moving on to something else. So... They'll obviously, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll obviously come up to the reality when they do die. Mm, shrunken maybe heads. Right. Maybe they're having a great time. Shrunken heads about the size of an orange. How do they shrink them down? Do they sort of soak them in acid or something? It, it must be, yeah. Because ultimately, you're getting rid of all the insides, right? It's just the skin on the outside and the hair. You have and to then, remove the bone, presumably. Yeah. yeah, you have to sort of like peel it, take the skull up. Yeah. Right, well, look, it is that time. It is. We finally got to this point. Drum roll. Oh, gosh. Oh, this is where normally we'd put the jingle in. Well, you could come up with a better one. Should our listeners care to see the return of Judge, 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 that might sway me to putting it back in. A letter writing campaign or similar. Yeah, similar. Yeah. Just let us know. For all the Judge, Judge, Judge fans out there. <laughs> At HHE Podcast, let us know. Judge, Judge, Judge. Yes. Judge, 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 no. Please say yes. One of those, one of those methods uh, would mean that Ryan got an E for every single episode going forward. <laughs> oh, he's not, he's not, he's wielding his power now. Yeah. He's gone, he's crazed with power. He's crazed with power. Okay, so come on then, what's my grade? Uh, it's a difficult one, this, because you were, 
the the topic was an awkward one. I I I have to say I find I find these um, esoteric topics quite difficult. Like order, you're just there to try try and get any. It's it's like one of those games where you tell somebody to get a word into a into a sentence that sort of fits, but but doesn't. But doesn't <laughs> yes. Which which can be quite a good game for meetings. That's true. Uh, What's my grade, Paul? <laughs> but um, I liked the geographic bit, the historical bit about you know that it all used to be one large landmass before uh, the sea level rose and. Yeah, that is interesting stuff. What's my grade, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> He's on the edge of his seat, the poor lamb. <laughs> okay. It is a B if you play the jingle and a B plus if you don't. Whoa! No, no, what? Wait, that's a good grade. That is a good grade. Well done. Well, yeah, I, I, totally I think it was, an, uh, it was, it was a, it, it was a difficult topic. Um, I have to say the Simpson sketch was very good. I like that. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. The other sketches weren't quite as good as that, but the the Simpsons one was. Your voices are quite good. You need to you need to have a word with Matt Groening or whatever he's called. <laughs> well, uh, well, he's he's probably listening as well, so he can write in and uh, if he needs B string talent. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I, I wouldn't. He'll sue An you. Understudy of some kind. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, the the Vedders. Yeah, it's totally different. It's waiting to happen. I mean, it, you might have thought it sounded like The Simpsons, but really it was an entirely original creation of ours. So, wait, let me get this straight. It's a B if I put the jingle in, and it's a B plus if I don't. Is it worth it, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> is it really worth it? Well, we'll find out. I know, we? this is exciting. I'm going to have to give that one some thought. Mm, I thought it was going to be worse than that. I thought you. I thought this was definitely a C minus. Why did you? Why did you think that? Because of the order. I thought you were going to haul me over the coals on the order thing. Well, it, it's a it's a, it's it's a difficult one. I, I'm you know when you have a concrete thing to talk about is one thing, but when you have something abstract like order, um, how did you feel about the um, the rationale for the order though? Like my little explanation at the end, my little caveat at the You're end. Increasingly <laughs> desperate with each iteration. Hey, the first two were great. The first two were excellent. The, the third yeah, ordering one. sandalwood. Yeah, like placing an order. Was the second one <laughs> uh, hierarchy maintaining? Oh yeah, hierarchy. maintaining an order in your in mm -hmm. your society, which was the headhunting thing. And then what was the third one, Ryan? <laughs> the, the drums. One of them was out of order. Yeah, that was it, the desperate. It wasn't part. working. <laughs> but what else would you describe order. it? It's but but it's not order, is it? It's mm. the opposite of order. It's disorder. Frankly, your third order was ordure. Oh, I was going to say, Audrey. I hate you both. <laughs> I hate you both so much. Thank you very much. It's nice to feel appreciated. So, I think you did an excellent job, and I think a B plus is very well deserved, or a B if you want to use your judge. <laughs> <laughs> what would you go for? For the for the B or the B plus? I'd take the hit and go for the B. It's <laughs> a great jingle, isn't it? It's just too good, man. Yeah. I mean, judge, again, I'd have to reiterate the brilliance of rhyming judge with judge. Mm. Three different times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's the judge, he's the judge Paul Dursley is the judge It's time for his judgment Judging all the things we does Yeah, yeah All rise for the judge Okay, that's it. We come to the end of the verdict. Uh, there's no point looking back anymore. We now look to the future uh, for our history show. <laughs> and, uh, Pete, next week... We've got we- this very wrong. <laughs> no. And Pete, it's your turn. It You're is. going to be hosting next week. Tell us about what your show is going to be about. So next week, I will be telling you about the country of Russia. Very good. Uh, for the time period 476 to 1000 AD. Yep. And my topic is equality. Nice. I'm, can, can I interrupt here? Please. I... I- didn't I? I didn't like. Don't think you did the wild card thing correctly. Surely, if you had a wild card, that gives an advantage. So you should hold back until you know what the other, what the topic and what the year is, and then. So, for example, if if you got nineteen ten to nineteen twenty, mm-hmm. and then you had the word revolution or war, then Pete could say, "Oh, Russia. I'll choose Russia." That. Is a tremendous idea. Rather than choosing it the first time, because then it's not really a wild card. It just. Do you know what? Do you know what? For the first time, I feel like an idiot. That I is think a we brilliant missed an idea. Also, it was super stressful having thirty seconds. That was quite fun. Bigger country. Well, was... no, that can still happen, right? Well, you, yeah, you still have. But we just do it at the end the, yeah. after you've got the thing. Absolutely, I like these wild card things. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, that is it for the show this week. Thank you very much for listening. And I do mean all of you, but especially those people in Mozambique. Any reason why that might be, Pete? There is a very good reason, Ryan, because we recently discovered that we are the number two rated history podcast in the country of Mozambique. That's right. How do you think about that, Paul? Oh, well, we all know what number twos are, don't we? Well, we're very proud of our achievement, albeit we're not sure how many history podcasts there are in Mozambique. It might be two. We're not sure. But we're going to assume there are many hundreds of them and we're doing ever so well. Yeah. Well, look, if you are out there anywhere in the world and uh, you want to get in touch with us, you can do that through Twitter, which is at HHE Podcast, or you can email us. We're always happy to get an email uh, at HHE Podcast at gmail.com. And you never know, you might end up being featured on a future show if you do. One way to definitely feature on a future episode is to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, such as uh, listener Carlos G, who left us a very kind review. Thank you very much, Carlos. I hope you're listening now. Thanks, Carlos. Uh, Obviously, this helps us, but it also helps other people discover the show, which is great and spreads the word. Uh, In the meantime, you can also find and join discussions about the show on Facebook and Reddit. So uh, you can subscribe to those or you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, even TikTok occasionally, uh, where a hit of history happened everywhere will magically appear every day except tiktok which is every few days yeah and we'll be back again very soon with another verdict but before that we've got pete's history happened everywhere episode with a new place a new time and a new topic and if that's not enough for you you still need more history in your life we have a growing archive of old shows which you can access download and listen to whenever you want and they're available on youtube your podcast provider or at hhepodcast.com that's right so paul we're at the end thank you very much for being here we love you so much big hugs to you I know you'll make the right choice. We'll see. (laughs) I guess all that is left to say, Pete, is... You've been listening to... History Happened Everywhere. The Verdict. If someone gave you £20, what would you buy with it? Not very much.
Yeah. Okay, fair enough. But what would you buy specifically with it? If you had 20 pounds that someone just gave you. Where would I be when I was given this 20 pounds? Uh, let's pretend we're in a lovely restaurant, just me and you. And uh, yeah, and I'm just, I just lean across and I tuck 20 pounds into your shirt pocket. Oh, well, that's a very easy one. I'd use it on the taxi fare immediately to get home. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's a good point. So, you, what, so both of us, are we both if, in the cab you, or is if this... If you were to slip it in my shirt, I'm afraid it would not be you in the cab. <laughs> He's the judge. He's the judge. Paul Dursley is the judge. It's time for his judgment. Judging all the things we does. Yeah. Yeah. All rise for the judge.